0: Welcome to All Power to the Developing, a podcast of the Eastside Institute, where social justice, human development, and community building come together. This is where you will meet activists, artists, teachers, scholars, helpers, and healers who are bringing creativity, hope, and possibility to individuals and communities all over the world. doing? Hello, 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 hello. How's everyone doing? This is Desiree Wanden, the assistant producer at the Eastside Institute, and this is All Power to the Developing. Today we have a very, very special episode about Let's Talk About It. Let's Talk About It was the centerpiece of the mental health services at a school-based health clinic at a large inner-city high school named Erasmus, located in the Flatbush section of Brooklyn, New York. It was a place where young people were invited to be partners in co-creating Group therapeutic discussions during their lunch hour around the issues that matter to them today. I have three special guests with me actually, four special guests. I have Chauncey Espada, All right. I have Darnell Cadet, and I have David Pierre Lewis. And right. none other than Barbara Silverman with us today, also. How's everyone doing this evening?
1: Good, good, hey. doing good. Doing good.
2: wonderful. All Happy right. to be here.
0: We are all alumni of Let's Talk About It um, program that, I, that I, I think we all cherished and all impacted us. So it's so beautiful for us to be here together. Um, I would like to open it up. Um, how did you find out about Let's Talk About It? And why did you go?
1: All right, so I'll jump in. Uh, let me see. And this is David, you're speaking. Oh, this, this is David speaking. Uh, we graduated in, well, I'm an alumni of 2006, Erasmus. And Desiree and I met in, what, 2002? Three, three? Like 2003? Three, yeah, freshman year? Yeah, it was 2002 then. 2002. And I heard about Let's Talk About It Through You. And Let's Talk About It was somewhere that we would go... We were kind of the oddballs out in high school because uh, we had a, a weird way of doing things as opposed to other students in the school. And Let's Talk About It allowed us to be ourselves. We'd go there and literally just talk about anything there was. So uh, it helped us. When did we start going? It was like 2004. I don't believe I went freshman year. No. Uh-huh. I think it was maybe sophomore or junior year, perhaps. And that was where we would go during our lunch break. And sometimes we go a little past lunch break, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we met some really, pretty cool people there, man. Nice. Man.
0: Darnell, h- how did you find out about Let's Talk About It? And why did you go?
3: Oh, hey, everyone. Um, just to, once again, to introduce myself, I'm Darnell. Uh, graduate, 2003. Wow, it sounds so strange saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I found out about the Let's Talk About It program at the Erasmus Teen Health Center in February of 2000. Also sounds strange you saying that. Um, yeah, it was after having an appointment for medical reasons, and I was told that, oh, there's a program here where you can meet during your lunch period, and bunch of teens get together and discuss things and different topics and sort of like a, a meeting center and it was my first introduction into many things of Erasmus and mental health and therapy and just being in a space where it was okay to be who you are and met very many very interesting people some of who I still communicate with to this day and it was a blessing to be a part of the program and to grow with the program and meeting Barbara and working with her over the years. So it's one of my most cherished memories of high school and, you know, and it just, yeah.
0: Um, Chauncey, how did you find out about, let's talk about it. Thank you so much, Darnell, for sharing Chauncey. How did you find out about, let's talk about it and what made you go?
4: Um, well to, you know, to feed off of what David said, uh, I kind of found out from you guys, like we all kind of found out collectively as a group, like, um, yeah, that's how I found out, I found out from word of mouth. Like, I think I missed, I think I, I came and we was just like, somebody Somebody said something in the group that, yo, you, t- you heard about, it? let's talk about it. And I think like, I, really, I just followed. It was one of those situations where you guys were going, so, you know, like, like David said, we were a core group, like, yeah. so I just went, with, I didn't really have, like, you, you David, Will, uh, the other David, you guys were my core group. I didn't even have anybody else. Like, I never hung with nobody else in, in, in within high school. So it was one of those, you know, I guess you could say follow the leader kind of thing. Like, whoever went, I was like, well, if this place is going, the, the minute I um I got in there, you know, at mm-hmm. first I, was, I I looked around the room. I was like, this is kind of, you know, it was one of those situations. That, like, I'm, I, I'm one of those people that, you know... When I walk into a room, it's kind of like, especially like a, a room, like let's talk about it. You know, it was, I looked around and said, well, what's this place? This is this is a little bit new to me. So then when I heard the conversations going on, I automatically like looked at, I kind of looked at Barbara who was like, the she's the veteran and I kind of looked around like, wait, are, are these people allowed to say these things? Are we allowed to have these conversations? That's what was going through my mind as I'm eating school lunch. I'm like, are we allowed to have these conversations? And as time went past and I kept, we kept going, we kept having great debates. Like we get, like, it was one of those things that really, it, let's talk about it helped me get out of a shell that I, I kind of was in. Like the minute I walked into Erasmus, you know, if anyone knows anything about Erasmus, you know, <laughs> the minute I walked in there, I'm looking at people and I'm like, oh man, I'm looking around like, oh man, I, I don't know how I'm gonna survive this. This this high school may not be for me. I, I just, you know, my mind state was just, you know, stay to myself.
0: Speak a little about that, um, Erasmus, if I'm not mistaken, was the first school in New York City to have metal detectors. Yes. Um, and also, you know, had a very harsh reputation as being one of the most roughest schools. Um, I remember finding out I was going to Erasmus and and being excited because I thought it was a business and technology school and telling right. people in my neighborhood what school I was going to and they told me I was going to get stabbed and get into mm-hmm. beef and this and that and the fourth. So it was... Um, speak about that... Um, the environment of erasmus could you could you give the our listeners uh insight into how the school was the environment
4: um any one of wow you? well i guess i'll start um for me again the first day i went my mom did not want me to go there I w- she tried everything to get me transferred on the first day but unfortunately that doesn't work that way but she tried everything um the first day of erasmus from what i heard i was i was going into my first class and like I guess a fight broke out, like in the other room. So and then something about God, somebody brought a knife or something. So it was one of those situations where I, I was in class and I'm like, how am I going to survive this? Like how am I going to? Because also, like you said, Vitamin. Uh, I mean, sorry, Desiree. Like you said, um, when I when I told one of my cousins I was going to Erasmus, they immediately said, yeah, your mom has to get you out of there. You're not going to survive. You're not going to survive. And like, David, how? So how it was, go ahead, make um yeah, so it was one of the situations that I was very nervous, very uh, very very ner- nervous scared because mm-hmm. again, like I said i hadn't I had nobody there um at that time when I first started, I had nobody and i I just kept to this keep to yourself mentality. don't talk to no one, keep your head down, only listen to the teachers, and you'll survive this. That was my mind state going into erasmus in year,
0: David for you, how was the environment of Erasmus?
1: Well, before I went to Erasmus, I didn't know much about Erasmus. I only went there because it was my zone school. It was like four or five blocks away from home. So that's where my mother put me. And going to Erasmus, I remember my freshman year hearing about, uh, you know, I can't remember what it's called when it would pick on the freshmen because we were new. Oh, freshman Friday. Yeah. yeah, Freshman Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I can not remember what it was called. But then, you know, there was also something called back then. I don't know if they still do it. But it was like, I think it was Halloween Day. It was Blood Initiation Day or something like that. And I wouldn't go. I would tell my mom about it. And I, nah, you know, I mean, I don't, I heard, you know, they do slashing and this, that, and the third, you know. But for the most part, it was, it was gloom. But I figured if you stay to yourself and do what you got to do and get out. I never really got into anything. And Erasmus, I've seen other people get into it. I've seen security lock people up people would bring guns into the school because, you know, the gang initiation and all that good stuff. But I stuck with you guys, you know, and I don't recall us ever really getting into much. You know, we knew the era, the, the environment was gloom, but we did our best to stay straight from that. And that was it for the most part.
0: Yeah, yeah. Darnell, um, how was it for you as a young lady? You know, the... I know in Erasmus, the fellows were getting into a lot of stuff. But uh, as a young lady, how was it for you? What was the environment of Erasmus like for you?
3: Well, when I was a freshman, I came into Erasmus in September of 1999. And I was not aware of the reputation of Erasmus fully by the time I was preparing for high school. My mother was terrified. When she found out that I was going, she was like, oh, no, I can't believe it. She tried also every which way to get me out of there, family members as well. And I'm over here like, but wait, is this a bad thing that I'm going here? What's going on? And then I would learn from them about Erasmus or E. Hall's reputation. And the thing that had me terrified was, you know, I'm coming in as a freshman. I'm like, I wasn't that popular when I went to middle school I was like, they're going to eat me alive. How am I going to make it? You know, I felt like a target. But strangely enough, my first day, nothing happened, or at least nothing happened to me. Although I did witness a couple of fights. I did witness some people acting rowdy. But I was like, oh, this isn't that bad. I think I'll be fine. Um, Of course, by the time I went to Erasmus, it had undergone some changes. And the biggest one was that the school itself was divided into three schools. So that's, um, that was something I had never experienced before, like a school within a school. Oh. And when I found out that I was going to business and tech, I'm like, oh, okay. but I'm like, why do I have to go through here to get to business and tech? The whole experience with metal detectors was new and it was strange. I'm like, wait, I can't bring this into school. I can't bring that into school. It was like the do's and don'ts just from the school rules of what you can do, what you're allowed and everything. And then it was just like, yo, how how is this gonna work for all four years? Eventually I survived, I made it, I figured it out, but coming in, I had no one. Mm. So navigating the halls uh, on my own for the first couple of months were, were, was difficult, mm. especially as a young woman, because it was like, I saw how some girls dress, I saw how some girls behaved, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to fit in. I'm not, this, this ain't my scene or this, I'm not going to blend in. I'm definitely going to stand out, you know, for many reasons. And, but again, it was, it was an eye opener to know that this was the environment that I was going to be in. And then as I got older, I realized that, you know, it could have been a lot worse. Thank goodness it wasn't. But just what I witnessed all four years. Or initially that first year definitely opened my eyes up and definitely made me realize that there was a lot more that I needed to learn and discover and um, I said if I was gonna do it by myself it was gonna be hard but luckily I did eventually make some friends and it was able to navigate through it but yeah e was no joke
2: no
0: joke um thank you so much for sharing that Darnell Barbara we are youth, yes. we're used to we're used to the inner city. Um, you know, we we saw some things yep. in, in our youth, but you're coming in on a different kind of dynamic. you're You're middle aged you're a white woman. Um, and then, now you're going into one of the most notorious schools. How was that experience for you? How, how was How was the environment of Erasmus for you?
2: Well, I think when I first got hired. It was and started working. It was in the summer, and we were not even the school wasn't open, so we were in uh, Caledonia Hospital on Park on um, Parkside Avenue, I believe. In in one room with all the boxes. I mean, it was. I had no idea where the school was. What was the deal? And then we went over there and it was under construction downstairs. It was 1993. Mm. So we we eventually got in there in the beginning of school. And um, we were in the basement in the basement, like no lights. I mean, it was, it was a very scary place and it had a lot of squirrels running back and forth and other kinds of animals every day in the, in the health clinic. And it took us probably three years to get moved upstairs to where we sure. were when we met you, but I had a question given what David said and Chauncey, what you all said. And I'm wondering how, given that you didn't know each other when you came to Erasmus, how did you get into the group of eight or nine guys?
0: Boy. When
2: I met you, you were all together. Yeah. So I had no idea sure. that when you came in, you were keeping your heads down and yeah. like trying to get through the day.
0: I think uh, first I want to say a little bit how, how we I found we found the program because we were all together.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so lunch was very chaotic. Um, lots of noise, lots of just constant noise. You can't hear yourself think. You can't hear yourself talk. You got to get this close to your friends just to converse. And um, I believe Benna and Jamie, they were two interns there, Benna and Jamie,
2: yep.
0: came to us and said, this is program, let's talk about it. They showed us a flyer, they, we looked at it, they said what it was, we looked at each other, and then we just got up and we we, we all went um, one time, like as together as a unit of about eight eight guys. Um, I think at that point, you didn't just let people into the group, they had to kind of be, uh, I don't want to use the word initiated, but they had to something had to take place, an orientation. So I remember we did the orientation with you and it was us, which is a group in itself is eight people. And then when (laughs) we were ready to now be introduced to the group, we went into that room and I just remember seeing all the people that, in my opinion, we had our opinions about them. There was the jock, there was the pretty girl, there was the chatty girl, there was the dude that thinks he's a gangster. So just as much as we had, people had a perception of us or we thought people had a perception of us as nerds or whoever or not the popular guys, we had a perception of people. So we went into this room and we sat down and we all sat down on the same side, I think too. So it was Mm -hmm. a little bit more imposing because we're all together we're all the same side. And um, we just kind of, I think, chilled those first couple of times. And then I think our first major time speaking is when we were speaking about girls and men and girls do this and guys don't do that. And the girls were like, no, y'all guys do this and the girls, we don't do that and y'all fight. And I think that stemmed from a a, a video that someone had brought in of a fight taking place outside of a school that was captured on the news of two young ladies fighting each other. So this was some conversation that, you know, that was so raw, that was so riveting, that was so unfiltered. And, um, we were able to be a part of it and, um, how we met each other is, I think in pieces, um, I had first met Andrew who would be here, but unfortunately couldn't be here today has one person. We were fans of video games and wrestling. So I, I, I sat Mm -hmm. with him and in the meanwhile, these gentlemen, Chauncey, David, uh, will David Colville. They were also into the same things and it turned out that people into the same thing sat at the same table so uh-huh. everyone that sat at our particular table was interested in wrestling video games comic books anime things of that nature pokemon, pokemon. so we just bonded yeah. from there um just speaking to each other talking to each other on a daily basis and yeah. um it was just a kind of a, a natural progression of Talking at lunchtime and talking at lunchtime turn into talking out let's talk about it and then turn into hanging out after school and then it turned out to hanging out for life. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um
4: yeah, also to, the to kinda um piggyback off of what Desiree said, it yeah, be, also I I happen to live right around the corner. So like, um David Carville, um, he's kind he's my best best friend. Like, that's my brother. Like, we went to the same elementary school we kind of and we ever since then like from elementary we've been hanging out we kind of did split when I went to junior high school I'm in yeah junior high school so we we, I but I would still visit him go chill with him and the minute I got to high school and I found out he was going that's when my mom was trying to get me a transfer and I was like telling her nah I'll stay with him because like you know he was a little bit back then I you know I haven't seen him in a while but back then he was a little bit scrawnier and I kind of that, like I said, that's my brother. And I kind of felt like if I leave, they might mess with him. So I stayed with him. So we kept that connection from, like, elementary school all the way to high school. And we basically kind of, like, um, after school, he would come to my house and we would just be playing wrestling games. So one day, he's over here challenging me to a wrestling game. And I'm like, nah, you can't beat me. You can't beat me. I beat you yesterday. And then I think, I don't know if it was Desiree or Will or David, because me and David also went to the same junior high school so that's, that's a connection right there um but we weren't yeah, like we, we weren't so. as close as we are now like you know mm-hmm. back then it was like he had his clique i had mine so to see him again in Erasmus, i was like oh this guy i was like ah, oh, this guy this guy right now but with david mm-hmm. carville um that was definitely my brother still is my brother um so we were just like having a conversation and i think it was either desiree or will that overheard us and was like yo you guys play this game he was like and i kind of he was like you know i was just looking at them like mm-hmm. wait yeah we, mm-hmm. we, yeah, we do that. So he said, "I'll I I, again, I don't know who said this. I think it may have been Will that said, yeah, I could beat you in a game. And I'm <laughs> a competitive person. Yeah, I, I'm a competitive person. I was like, nah. But in my head, I'm thinking, am I really going to invite strangers to my house? <laughs> you know, my mom was always telling me, no, invite people you don't know. But I said, you know what? These guys seem cool. Like, I felt a good vibe off. And I just invited them the first time. And it just kept happening. And that's the connection. Like, I trusted that. I can invite them and none of my stuff is like ever going to be stolen. Like, you know, so that's that was one of the thing that really bonded all us together, that when you can bring people to your house Mm
2: -hmm. and
4: not a lot of people, not even nowadays, people don't even trust nobody in the house. And I can understand that. But when you can trust people back then, it was even like I don't even know these guys. But I said, you know what, I'm trusting them enough Mm -hmm. not to, like, steal my Mm -hmm. stuff. And at that time, like Mm -hmm. Desiree said, we were all like kind of connected. Like I was also connected to Andrew. We were in the same computer class. We kind of had a fight. It was like a little thing. Um, and Will was connected to David, and I already knew David. So I said, you know what? If It's cool because I know David. So I trusted I trusted the core group that came to Let's Talk About It. That was the only group. There were some newcomers, but, you know, I didn't really let everyone. Like, there was a few people that would sit at a table and hear our conversation, and they'd be like, oh, yo, I want to come over too. And i will just say no because I just didn't feel the vibe with that person. That person would just come out of the blue and be like, yo, 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 I'm coming too. I'm like, I just shake my head like, nah, I don't want you in my house. Cause I, I, cause the core people they were hanging out, the people they were hanging out with, I already knew what they was about. So I said, nah, you hanging out with them. I'm definitely going to get something in my house stolen. You know,
1: in a a, a nutshell, our friendship was built off wrestling. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, that was the core thing. Uh, Like like D-Max said, we all sat at the same table and it was history from there there's really not much to say about it
0: very organic it was a very organic friendship but um we're going to take this as a place to kind of um pause and take a short commercial break and when we come back we're going to speak a little about the impact the lasting impact that this program has had on our lives and what are some of our takeaways from that
2: Hi, I'm Melissa Meyer, Associate Director of the Eastside Institute. Welcome to All Power to the Developing. I hope you're enjoying today's conversation. In each episode, we introduce you to some amazing performance activists, play revolutionaries, and developmentalists from around the world who talk to us about their creative grassroots efforts to build a better world. If you like what you hear please follow and share the series you can find us on amazon spotify and podbean we'd love to hear your comments and ideas like everything at the institute the growth of all power to the developing depends upon the people who create it and benefit from it we hope you're one of them thanks for your support and now back to our conversation
0: Right, we are back. I'm here with my lovely guests, or Let's Talk About Alumni. Um, we spoke briefly about how we met each other, how we discovered the school, how we discovered the program. Um, let's talk a little bit about the magic of Let's Talk About. Um, what are some of the m- more moments that you remember out of Let's Talk About It? What are some things um. that really stick out to you?
3: I think I'll I'll, I'll jump in on this. You know, for me, one of the lasting impressions about Let's Talk About It, in addition to building relationships with people, friendships, and bonding experiences, I think what really stuck with me the most was the conversations that were had, the things that we discussed. Because in Let's Talk About It, it was a space where we could discuss what we couldn't discuss in the classrooms there and Let's Talk About It, Barbara gave us an open environment to talk about things that maybe we didn't feel comfortable talking about even at home. And, you know, I was always blown away from the fact that despite how we looked on the outside, like whether we were the nerd, or we were the jock, or the pretty people, or whatever, there were a lot of similarities in what we were struggling with as teenagers that we either kept hidden because of social status reasons or just we didn't feel comfortable sharing but in that space it was always amazing to know that i wasn't alone in a lot of what i was dealing with because other people were dealing with it too granted they were dealing it dealing with it from their own perspective but it was just always interesting to know like oh okay i'm not the you know you cry sometimes when you're sad. You deal with stress. You dealt with depression. Um, 9-11 was difficult for you. Um, Breakups are difficult for you. Um, Not feeling heard enough. Not feeling seen. And yet, just by expressing it, suddenly, you became heard. You became seen. And that was always one thing that I appreciated about the program. Because I felt like, I don't think, I think our program was so unique in that what we did in the Let's Talk About a group, I don't think could have been done in other high schools, my personal opinion. Like, I'm sure, you know, other teachers or principals would have been like, "Nope, wait, what are y'all talking about in there? What are y'all doing in there? No, we can't, we can't have that happen on school grounds. And I was always thankful that we were able to have that experience and have that open space. To have those types of dialogues and to just be free to express how we felt. Because there were times in group where it got real. Like it got to the point where we were all basically crying, tears coming out of our eyes. Like it, it, it always blew me away when I would see someone get so emotional, especially someone who you would think wouldn't be the emotional type. Like thugs crying in group you know so-called gangsters and they just like just start crying and they talk about the frustrations and the things that they deal with in their neighborhood in their home life even things that they deal with at school that no one else really knew about um people who felt brave enough to come out and share their personal secrets because the space was so open and welcoming and accepting like that was another big thing because you know I'll be real. I know for me, Erasmus is definitely one big rumor mill uh, amongst us adolescents. Like, you tell somebody your business at first period, by lunch, the whole school knew about it, whether they knew you or not. And it was always frustrating when it was like, you know, you had something to say or you wanted to say something, but you didn't know who to trust. So... Sitting in group and then meeting people and listening to stories, you kind of built relationships from that when you realized that there were some similarities, even some differences, things that I was like, oh, I didn't, I never thought about it from this perspective, or I've never been introduced to it like that. And then you talk to the people afterwards, and then for me, we would hang out, a lot of us, we would all hang out after school and continue the conversation that we had in group. And, you know, Barbara can attest to this. We all didn't want to leave once we were in that room. It was like we we're supposed to be here for our lunch period. No, I'll be real. We were in there for a lot longer than our lunch period, you know, because it was just it was so it was so fun. It was so, you know, good and exciting. And it was like, uh, now we got to go back to class where we got to sit in a room, pack with other kids and listen to a teacher just teaching us stuff out of textbooks, like nothing really sticking, nothing, the knowledge not really, you know, connecting for a lot of us. And then there were times when I was like, no, I don't want to be here. i want to be in group. Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, I want to find out what's going on in group. So I would stay around for the next school's lunch period to listen to their conversations and build off their dialogue. And sometimes, like I said, the conversations would continue after school and we were just like, nah, man, we don't want this to end. Mm -hmm. And another thing I know I'm going a little bit, I'm sorry. But one other thing too was that Barbara also would take us with her to conferences, a few of us, where we would attend lectures and conferences at other places, like other schools, universities. And it kind of opened up my eyes into the whole world of like the social therapeutic approach and how it applies and how it's viewed by others, especially scholars and professors. And when you meet like grown people who are studying to be social workers and they wanna get the perspective of young people. Cause you know, this is gonna be the the core group that they work with. And they're like, all right, so what is it like for you? And it doesn't feel like they're probing you for information. It really feels like they're engaging with you and they wanna get to know your perspective, Mm -hmm. you know? So whatever school or environment that they walk into when for their graduate, they're like, okay, I have an idea of what's going on with young people right now, more than what I've seen from TV, more than what I've heard from my colleagues. I've actually spoken to some young people and gotten some ideas and gotten some perspective. So now I could walk in here and build on that. And I always appreciated those people that were willing to talk to us, to us, not at us, and taking what we told them for what it was like for us. and they And they listened, even if they didn't fully understand, they listened. And they ask questions and we engage in conversation. And I like to think that, that it might have played a role in their careers because it definitely played a role in our development. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: Thank you, Donna. Well, uh, looking back on it now, I'd like to say that let's talk about it was my first experience of what a therapy session was. But I never knew what therapy was before that. And for the group, I'd like to say that we didn't go into, we went into it not knowing what to expect. I think we just wanted to escape the chaos, which was the lunch period. And a very founding moment for, for me, that was when we had a session with just our group. It was just the eight or nine of us at the time. There was a situation going on in our group where I believe Chauncey felt he was alienated because uh, it's like you said, follow the leader. Or like, you know, myself, D and yeah, myself and D were the more level headed ones in the group at the time. So I don't know if Chauncey felt that, you know, him and David felt like, you know, we didn't give them love, which wasn't the case. And I remember them crying in the group. And it really brought attention to it, shed light on it. And looking back on it now, it made me realize how important those sessions were and how important these kind of sessions still are and you know that's uh that's the lasting impression of what let's talk about it is for me
0: thank you thank you for sharing that dude chaunty um what what were some of the groups that stood out to you
4: um wow well i'll have to say that it was it's a lot but mostly like it really, I have to say, it really's kind of like saved our friendship in a sense of like, um we, you know, like we were a core group. And you know, when you're when you're a group of um, you know, when you're a group the way we were, we were like, I I would consider us as brothers, brothers fight, you know, we get into stuff and we just um let's talk about it was such a a great place therapeutically because we've been you know Barbara knows we came in not every day but it was like I'll say once in a blue moon we would come in with a problem and she was always always there to tell us okay let's analyze the problem and we would always walk through the problem like whether it was me one time it was me and George um we had an issue because we you know it was something that blew up I said something mean to him you know and I think without Let's Talk About It, that problem would have been worse. It would have got worse to the point where I don't, I can't even look at George today. But today, George is my brother. I love him, you know. So, it really, like David said, it really helped our group in a therapeutical way. And another thing about Let's Talk About It um, that I really liked is that the conversations, man, like, it's like... Um, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Oh, it's right there, Daniel. Um, It's like she said, when I walked in there, I did see, like, I saw a jock. I saw, uh, I guess, a gangster. I saw people that you normally wouldn't see in there, and they were open. Like, Barbara would bring up a conversation. The minute you get there, Barbara would be there, and she would say, okay, so what does everybody want to talk about? And I mm-hmm. said, wow, we get to have the option that teachers don't give us. Like, not to hate on the teachers. I." But I felt like every time I was in class, I never got a say. It was always, well, raise your hand if you got something to say. And then when you raise your hand, I felt like, okay, I still don't feel like I have a say. Like, you're not asking me how, like, I guess there was some teacher that asked you how, how your day is. But it was one of those, I, I didn't feel like I was a part of the class. Mm-hmm. Whereas, let's talk about it, especially with Barbara and others, like Brandon. And I can't remember everyone's name that was like. Caprice Super,
2: and yes,
4: yeah. yeah. Um, they were so cool because Bob, like, either like sometimes Barbara wouldn't be there and somebody would just start a conversation. Like, yo, did you see what happened on the news? And I, I'm me personally, I don't watch the news like that because it's all that like, you know, but it was a, just to bring up a conversation and then it'll be a big argument that like it wouldn't lead to like how you say like a fight, but it was an argument where we was talking about it and people were like say something and i'm just looking around like wow we're having this conversation right now this is crazy because i know at my house or you know some of us feel like when we go home we can't have a conversation with the ones in our family because sometimes it might blow up or they might take it the wrong way but then let's talk about it. it was always therapeutic to see somebody like a jock who may be the captain of the football team like either opening up and saying, Yo, I went through that. I know that. I know that story right there. I went through that. Let me tell you. And then just telling his story. And then me sitting there, I was like always analyzing the room and seeing everybody like tell their stories and be like, wow, that person really went through that. Like mm-hmm. I felt them. I was like, wow. And I feel like without let's talk about it, I will pass them in the hallway and look at them like, oh man, he got every he got the whole world, he got the whole world in his hands. He ain't got nothing to worry about. And then when you actually sit down and hear everyone in the room get a chance it was never I never felt like we talked over each other I felt like the room was always controlled like how it is right now everyone had a chance to speak and say their piece no one ever it was a few times where the 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 discussion got so heated and it was a lot of voices going left and right and I'm looking around like, okay I want to get my voice in. and I always sometimes felt like okay I'm gonna wait for this person to talk and that person but um, between Barbara Brandon and the rest of and the rest of the people, at let's talk about it. They had a way to level it down. It never got out of control. And trust me, I I I've been in many like debates. I get used to say within like where I work. Sometimes it was always a debate about either the news and everyone's talking over everyone. And that kind of got me to like I just don't I I don't get into it. But like at let's talk about it it really felt like, okay, I have a say-so in this group. It's not like I don't have a say-so. I can't say something. I don't feel powerless. I feel like, okay, I have something to say. And it wasn't you have to raise your hand, but you know, wait for the person to talk and then talk. So okay. the things Let's Talk About It taught me that, you know, it taught me, wow, so much, like, group. Besides, you know, being in a group and... Being able to let yourself go, being able to tell people that you don't normally know, hey, I'm going through this too. So let's sit down, let's talk about it, and let's see what's going on. Because I think a a lot of people today, they're afraid to let themselves, not so much feel, but sit down and actually talk. Like People are afraid to be in a group and be like, oh my, they're talking about serious stuff. I'm going to get up and leave. Now I can go, I feel so comfortable, thanks to Let's Talk About It. I can go into any group that's probably having a conversation and just sit there and listen and say, hey, I've been through that, too. I can, can I say my piece? So, yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, How about you, Des?
0: Conversations that stood out to me, um, besides, you know, the one David spoke of, um, one of our, actually two of our friends were going through a very rough time and, and wanted to, you know, didn't want to be here anymore. So to have those conversations was very you helped us have those conversations like chauncey said I don't think we could have had those conversations by ourselves mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so I will always remember that because when I see the individuals today I can imagine what would have happened if they would have took their lives um today they're doing pretty well for themselves they're they're mm-hmm. they're, they're great so every time I see them I'm, I always go back to that moment cuz I say wow you know look where they are today and it's almost mm-hmm. what we preach when we say you aren't you're you're more than who you are you're you're who you're becoming mm-hmm. um but um and also you know um there's a, there was always a lot of conversations about my leadership and um that was like the first time being put in the hot seat for me and dealing with that type of pressure of of my peers and adults telling me that I need to look at this and and and, and listen to what people are saying because People are expressing this, you can't override this and just dominate it. you gotta you gotta listen to what others are saying and and there's an issue here so that was very challenging for me and I always remember that because leadership is still something that has been an ongoing it's always an ongoing thing in my life so I always think back to those that time but i always I just always think to um The the variance of how the program was, you know, some days it'd be extremely intense, and some days it was just so jovial and light and light. And we would talk about the most just nothing things of of music or what are you wearing, Barbara. Barbara had this fusion fashion of of African and and Eastern Europe and in the <laughs> Eastern side, and she would fuse it all together. And we'd be <laughs> sometimes we'd be looking at each other, and then we look at her outfit, <laughs> look at each other, and look at her outfit, and say, what is going on? Barbara, what's going on with this outfit? Can you break it down for us? So we had so many, so many um, different types of conversations, but those those that that um spectrum of we could have such intense you know hard conversations to we could have just very lighthearted stuff to make us feel good when we go back to to you know six period or something. I
2: I think uh A few things that you've said just really resonate with me. And, um, Chauncey, I I think you you said it, but you've all let me know that, see, you weren't in a program where I was fitting you into uh, some program that I was going to design for you, but really you were invited to step up and be a partner of mine even though we didn't know when i invited people to be partners with me what that was actually going to mean for any of us i i knew that um, i was inviting you to create something that you would take responsibility for, including what it is you wanted to talk about. And, you know, some years, some days people say, no, 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 you pick, you tell us what we're gonna talk about. And I go, no, 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 I'm not here to, to control the conversation. I'm open to talking about whatever it is you wanna talk about. But that was part of taking the responsibility and then figuring out okay how are we okay you want to talk about that how are we going to do that i don't know if you remember being in the group and we had people passing notes back and forth back and forth this was something that would go on and and i said okay um Given that you're passing the notes, you're writing and passing the notes in our group, how about reading them out loud? Let's read the notes. Oh, no, we don't want to read the notes. We're not going to read the notes. I said, but, but no, they didn't want to do that. They wanted to keep it private. So I said, all right, let's everyone write notes. Let's get. Let's have the entire group start writing notes. And we wrote notes. We said, you don't have to put your name on them or not. So people wrote notes. We passed them around. And then we read the notes out loud. So rather than getting in, for me, one of the things about, am I going to fight with kids to stop writing notes? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to figure out how can I kind of do something that builds with what you're all doing. And that could have been the fights and the arguments that could have been, um, if you don't like something, you're going to have to figure out how you're going to talk to me about it. You don't like something we're doing. So it's like, that's what, that's what being a partner, what we Did And then since none of us knew what being partners meant, we had to create what being a partner was and then keep growing that. And if we didn't, something wasn't working, we had to reorganize that. So I appreciate that that was your experience, that you could talk about anything. Um, And that was very important to me that there be nothing off limits to discuss. A lot of people didn't like that there was nothing off limits. And we did have like 275 visitors over the course. So almost every day in some years, there was a visitor coming in. And it was kind of, Darnell, what you said, like, We'd go out, we'd go to we'd go somewhere, we'd invite people and you all started to talk to other people about let's talk about it because that was also part of the job. Help us build this. Help us build the links with your school, help the school find out about it. And yeah, so that's what I was thinking about. And Chauncey, I did think of uh, a moment with you in the group, and you didn't mention this, so I don't know if you remember uh, being in group, and you and your mother had some disagreement over, she took money out of your account for that you were hoping she was going to buy you a, a particular birthday present with. And we did an entire... Entire piece of work. People said, oh, no, we're not going to work on that. That's boring. People have fights with their mother. Yes, this is what parents do. Da, 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 da. And we did a whole thing. Was anyone there for that? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah,
4: I remember. Now that you say it, I remember that. Yeah, I, remember it I, 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 I remember it now. You saw it just come up.
2: When we had a whole performance. We had people playing you. We had people playing your mother. People playing your cousins. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, This, what whatever, and we we worked on this because the group said to me, there's nothing we could do, and this is boring. We don't want to work on it. And I go, look at all the people we have here, all the resources. You're going to tell me this is boring. There's nothing we can do. Let's give it a shot. Let's put this on. Let's bring this to life. Mm -hmm. So we did that, and then I I really remember that you, I I mean – I remember the different scenes in this performance and that then you went home. Um, we had the social work interns in this as well. We, we had, you know, a cast of characters. We had visitors from Akichi from, uh, was there from, uh, someplace in Africa. He was visiting, and I'm Kichi I'm... McGock. Yes, we had, we had people, and I think he was he was part of the conversation. Mm. And he said, you know, it just doesn't look like this. Where I come from, if there's this tension going on between parents and kids, some of the extended family goes over and talks to the parents and gets involved in this situation, which was really kind of interesting. And I think someone said to you, what if your mother needed that money to pay a bill and she was gonna pay that money back to your account? And you went, I think everybody never thought of that. They didn't think about that. And that was helpful that someone Said that so you went home. Do you remember what happened?
4: Um, yeah, I. Thanks to that conversation, it kind of furthered how I. It really helped me and my mom how I give her money and how I pay it back. How she gives me money and I like not like now and then like you know. Um, it really helped. I went home and I actually had a discussion with my mom about actually taking money out of my account and not axing and you know, just telling her, you know, it'd be nice if you just tell me when you're going to do it because, you know, that is my money and I, I kind of like needed on certain times, like, like you just took it out. So I was able to have, thanks to that whole, you know, scenario, I was able to have a very civil conversation. I think without that, I'll be honest, it would have went different.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I yeah no, I, I hear you. And when you came back the next day, I what I was someone came out and told me and I, I cuz I wasn't in the group this the next day but someone came out to tell me oh come on in and hear this and that you you shared what what happened and that you your mother agreed to put the money back into your account
1: yeah or tell and- you
2: tell you in advance and I, I thought that was really an important learning opportunity for the group and me that there's just other perspectives. And when the group is being cynical, oh, there's nothing we can do. That's boring. We don't need to talk about that. Um, and I think that that was helpful. Um, one that you shared it, even though you didn't want to work on it. So I can I can think of many moments with your grouping and Darnell also with you.
3: Thank you. Yeah, actually um, there was a similar situation to the conflict that Chauncey, you had with your mother that I remember distinctively the first time I ever attended group and Barbara had the the person who the conflict involved acted out like they acted out dialogue between themselves and their parent and I remember sitting there watching I'd never seen anything like this before and I was like huh and then you know everyone had suggestions everybody said try this try that and it would mm-hmm. just it opened up the whole room got involved and I'm just sitting there like wow and even I learned a little something from that myself and I was like, oh, maybe I'll try this if I ever have this problem or I run into it in, down the down the road. And I was just so take I was just so taken aback by that because I was like, everyone was working together, participating, offering insight, offering advice, and it was just like, yeah, it had that not happened, I'm sure for that person as well, the whole thing <laughs> could have gone left. And something I learned later on. That for us, when we attend group and we leave group and we're associating with our other classmates and walking around the school and stuff like that, unbeknownst to us, or should I say unbeknownst to me, we actually were ambassadors for Let's Talk About It. Because I noticed that whenever I would see conflict happen uh, with other people, like in the hallways and stuff like that, and I knew those people, I actually would step in and say, hey, man, what's going on? Wait, why are y'all fighting? Or wait, why is it about to come to blows? What happened? I'm like, well, wait a minute. Did you ask this person what happened? Did you maybe this happened? Maybe that happened? Like I would throw in suggestions like that, and they would look at me kind of crazy, like, what are you talking about? It was like, did you ever think that there might be something else behind it rather than your own? Uh, what what you think is happening? Like, you you know, are you have you thought about looking at it from the other side? And a couple of times, I think I helped some people out avoiding getting in trouble doing that because they were like oh wow I never I didn't think about it like that or oh snap I didn't I didn't realize that and then they were like wow man I almost got in trouble for this I almost beat this person up for it or whatever and it was just like yeah and I didn't think about it then I'm looking at back on it now and I was just like oh yeah yeah when we left group we were you know group was still part of us or at least it was part of me and I would take whatever we learned from Barbara and from the visiting interns and guests and what we all discussed like the open dialogues and I just like I'm gonna keep doing this you know in the classrooms in the hallways outside inside even at home it helped a big deal in Mm. building conversations especially with your parents like I'm sure everybody has had that moment with their with their mom or dad where they're just like yo you're not listening you're not understanding where I'm coming from it's just Everything I'm saying to you was like talking to a brick wall, and we're not going to get nowhere. And, you know, it just leads to arguments, it leads to resentment and stuff like that. And then, you know, later on, you look at it, it was like, wow, you know, if we had tried this or we had tried that, maybe things could have been better. Or if we, or if while we were trying this, we learned something about each other and it was like, oh, wow, mom, I didn't realize that this is what you were doing, or I didn't realize that this is what I was doing, that kind of thing. So, yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Darnell. Thank you everyone for being here tonight. Um, Lastly, before we close out, what are some things that you took from Let's Talk About It that you still use in your lives today? (laughs) Um, And I'll I'll start this one off. I think Let's Talk About It overall um, today. It it taught me how to slow down. you know, we still live in a world full of a lot of conflict and uh, I'm still a black man in uh, in America and there's a lot um, in our way. And uh, if I didn't slow down or I didn't restrain or I didn't look at things from different angles, um, maybe I would be getting myself in, in, in bad situations. Um, and I think that's one thing Barbara always taught me how to do is to look at possibilities. Um, yeah, in your brain, you may see one course of action that can be taken in this moment, but let's slow down and let's look, do we have to fight? Can we talk? Can we go for a walk? Can we draw a painting? Can we make a skit? Can we, what can we do besides what you wanna do in this moment? And I think that slowing down and that looking at possibilities has, has greatly benefited me in my life allowed me to make better decisions.
1: Well, I think what. Let's talk about it had taught me. Was it's okay. Whatever you want to follow. It's okay with. It just taught me that it's okay. If you're a quiet individual. It's okay. If you are sheltered. It's okay. It doesn't have to be the end all be all. Of who you are. Or what you will be. You see how prominent mental health is. These days. And back in those days. It was unheard of. That, you know, people were, mental health wasn't a thing back then. It was like, it was taboo to even speak of back then. And to think about how long ago that was and how far we've come and the awareness for mental health these days. I'm a big advocate of mental health and speaking about things and not bottling up your emotions, you know. And DMAC and I, we do that all the time. Whenever we see each other, we just we just talk, whatever the case may be. There was a session we had last year. I think it was myself, Desiree, and Will, and we never had a deep conversation like that in our entire friendship, our brotherhood. We've never had conversations like that. I say I
0: say I say more in our adult adult lives. Yeah, yeah, our adult exactly. adult lives.
1: Right, our real life situations, you know. And so that conversation went on for about six hours. You know, and it was, it was liberating, you know, and I didn't understand what that was back then, but looking back on it now, it was a sense of liberation within the group then too. And I'm grateful for it. So thank you for that, Barbara.
0: And and just to jump in really quick on that, what he just said, what David, you just said, we didn't know what we were going, each other was going through. We were talking about certain things like, what? You going through that? Oh, I'm going through this. And we're friends, so that's just the importance of of conversation and group, you know?
2: Yeah, well, um, I was thinking what you were saying was about learning that you're choice makers and the slowing down activity. Uh, We did a lot of work on you have a choice even at the most intense moments when any when every cell in your body is saying, "You've got to react this way right now, we have a choice. and it it often that's not our experience. But there is a choice that could be made. and when what you're doing is, You're creating the possibility uh, to, number one, stay alive, given you're all Black young people. You're young compared to me, but you're, you know, you're, how old are you now? 30, you're like 30, 40, 40, David? 34. 34. Chauncey, 34.
4: Sorry, yes, 34. Yes 33. 33,
2: and well, Darnell?
1: The, well, this is the year, we'll be 34.
2: This will be the year.
3: I am 36.
2: You're 36, yeah. And given the world we live in, where the violence and being, being Black in America, and certainly in New York, very dangerous very dangerous. And the, the violence is just, it continues to be, you know, all over the world escalating, but it is escalating here in the city. So I'm, I'm really appreciate what you're saying about the impact has been and your David, that you shared that you had this conversation, you know, last year or something altogether. And, um, yeah, and that you're, you know, you support mental health.
0: Absolutely. I
2: appreciate that.
0: Chauncey, what that. what are some things from Let's Talk About It? Um, very briefly before we wrap up, what are some things from Let's Talk About It that you still feel that you're using in your life today?
4: Wow. Um, well, the biggest thing in Let's Talk About It I'm so happy for, and thanks to Barbara and the other counselors, um, is that, you know, even... Um, even within our, cause we still hang out. That's, that's a good thing. M- you know, anytime we ever go through like, you know, anything major where like, it's like you guys, like David said, we are able to talk about it. Like there, you know, we, we go through our things, but we're able to sit down and say, you know what, let's talk about it rather than argue. You know, um, there's been many conflicts that happened even out, even like, you know, conflicts happen and we were able to talk about it. And I'm so grateful that no matter what we go through as brothers, we're, we're always able to sit down and talk, talk about it. Um, but one of the things I, that, that I took from Let's Talk About It, it made me be more open-eared to anybody. Like if I just meet someone, even if I don't know you, I feel, I always tell people I'm open ear. Like um, for instance, uh, you know, I'm a B-boy. I'm part of my crew, Flo Roy T. Um I'm the oldest in the crew. <laughs> no, Vitamin's old, oh, but I'm like the oldest on 34 and there's young, like there's younger people in our crew. And you know uh my the youngest, I would say I guess my um our crewmate Chad, um he's my he's like my little brother and it's not I can't even tell you how many nights like he calls me and he's been through it. Like he's, he's called me one time and he was yelling because I think his mom had similar situation to me. His mom spent his money. He had all this money and he just found out that she, and he was going crazy and yelling and I calmed him down. I kind of got him off the ledge and it's not the first time I did that for him. There was many times he had a bad breakup. I got him off the ledge on that. I was able to talk to him. I said, what's the problem? Let's talk about it. And he he was able to talk. And I stay, I probably stayed on the phone until 6 o'clock in the morning with him, just talking to him, talking to him, talking to him, and just being there for him. And I'm, that's the one thing I learned from Barbara and the others that, You can be an open ear. Never be afraid to be an open. I always tell people, I don't care if you have problems with me. I don't care if I don't know you. If you have something going on, you know, don't be afraid to like I'm an open ear. Like if you got my number, if you're a friend, call me. Let's you know, let's talk about it. You know, no pun intended. But yeah, I'm I'm I learned that to just be open and just like say, you know what? No matter what, and I I found it very therapeutic myself because when I'm able to help my little brother, um, my crewmate, and to to have his his mom one time even told me like I'm waiting outside and his mom comes out she says thank you and she just kept saying thank you and I'm Mm -hmm. like I'm like I'm looking around like what did I do she said no thank you for talking him off the ledge because he was going he not that he was going crazy but he was upset and when we get angry like Barbara said you know how do we not everybody knows how to just you know calm down think and 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 say you know what let me ca-. he was and it was me that kind of said yo talk to me like i kind of had, had him on the phone say don't worry about anybody else in the house just stay on the phone with me tell me what the issue he told me the issue and i was able to walk him through that issue and i guess it calmed him down for everybody else in the house and Everybody in his whole house was like, thank you. Like they mm-hmm. they always say you're the saving grace when he kind of goes, not kind of goes, but like when, like, I guess, you know, we all go through problems, but if you can be somebody's open air, the one thing I learned is I don't control the conversation. Mm-hmm. I let the person tell me, I don't say, Hey, I know what your problem is. I think that's what's going on. I think that's what society has kind of, I wouldn't say teachers, but I kind of feel like society in a nutshell always says, I know how to fix your problem without actually listening to the problem, not taking in the problem. I'm, I'm one person, I wanna listen to what's the issue before I just jump and give you a, a, a solution to it. I never wanna give anyone a solution that might turn around and bite them in the ass and then I they come back to me and say, what did you tell me to do? I never, I always tell people, what's the issue? Let's sit down. If we can't sit down, talk to me on the phone I, I'm willing to stay up late. Like, I don't care how late, as long as I get to, as long as I get to like calm the situation down where you don't go over the ledge or you don't hurt yourself or someone else with, mm-hmm. with your words, with your action. And I really took all that from, I, without let's talk about it, I probably wouldn't be so much of an open ear. Mm-hmm. Like it helped me in my relationships with my ex-girlfriend. I, like it was that relationship. You can ask, you can ask my you can ask my friends it was the craziest relationship I've ever been in I've mm. my first relationship I've ever been in and, and it was up and down it was not one minute I wasn't getting chastised
0: so it allowed I you felt, to it allowed you to s- slow
4: down a bit yes thank you see it, it I I felt like I had to slow down and I had to help her like I I, I taught her what I learned from let's talk about it I I gave back So, basically, I I taught her how to, hey, let's talk, me and you. You tell me your problems, and I'm going to tell you my problems. Nice. And we're going to work together. So, yeah.
0: Thank you so much for sharing, Chauncey. And uh, lastly, Darnell, what are some things from Let's Talk About It that you feel you still use in your life today?
2: You
3: know, throughout my life since Let's Talk About It, the biggest thing, and this is kind of piggybacking off of Chauncey, is I have learn to be a better listener oftentimes Mm -hmm. when there's conflict and one person's talking to you you're not really listening to them you're listening to your point of view or you're viewing them from your point of view and it's just like you're just waiting for them to stop talking so you can come in with your argument uh i work in the food hospitality industry which i can tell you is one of the most stressful industries to work in when we talk about mental health, that is a place where it raves all over because people have different ways of coping with stress and issues. Some people don't talk at all. They substitute other things in their life like substance abuse and stuff. So in my years working as a a cook and being a chef, it's like I would remember days when I came to group and I Wasn't feeling all too well. It wasn't myself. And I was like, I don't really want to talk, but I would listen to what was happening around me. And by listening, it wasn't just what was being said, it was the way it was being said. I learned to listen to body language. Sometimes you can tell a person's mood by how they speak or how they act. And you don't always have to confront that person. Sometimes, you know, you give them space and The biggest thing that I've received in my industry as a compliment has just been like, thanks for listening. Thanks for just not telling me what to do. Thanks for just um, letting me talk. Cause oftentimes that, you know, is a big thing especially to help somebody off the ledge is to just let them talk, say what they're feeling. Maybe they'll share something deep or maybe they'll just, you know, say whatever comes to their mind first, and it might help them to calm down, might help them to relax their breathing. But, you know, being attentive to them, making eye contact, pulling away if they're uncomfortable at times, and just giving them that space to speak. It's like, I pay it forward what we receive as young people in Let's Talk About It from Barbara and from other adults who were willing participants. And now I'm an adult. So I pass that forward to a lot of my coworkers. I also pass it forward to a lot of my nieces and nephews who are uh, teenagers now. And it's like, listen, I talk to them and I'm like, look, your mom and dad are going to say one thing, but me as auntie, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to listen you know, uh, similar one situation with my nephew, he was going through a hard time. And I told him, even if I feel free to call me, feel free to text me, even if I don't answer the phone, use my voicemail as your journal. Mm. I told him that, and he didn't quite understand at the time, but then one day he was just upset. And I got this like two minute message from him where he was just ranting and raving about what was bothering him. And I called him back and I said, I heard your message but I wanted to ask you, how do you feel right now? And he said, I feel a lot better just because I had a space to say what I was feeling. Like he found a, a venue to avenue mm-hmm. to let out th- that frustration. And I was so happy to, to give him that. And I said, good, next time you feel like that, again, my phone, my voicemail, my box is open. You know, And that's something that has been a big help for me growing and developing is just like being open with my hearing, with my attentiveness, and you know, I'll, listen, there are days when sometimes it backfires. There are days when sometimes I get frustrated. I'm human, and I kind of have to step back and be like, "Ooh, you didn't handle that very well." But you know what? How did you feel letting out that frustration though? Did it help a little bit? I'll be like, "Yeah, it kind of helped a little bit. Maybe what it, you know, maybe how it ended didn't go well, but you know, it was a starting point. So I'll build from that for next time." And it's, it's it's I feel like it's going to be a lifetime thing mm-hmm. for me, where like every time I'm in a conflict or every time I'm in a situation where there's conflict, I'm going to remember a time in group when there was similar conflict, what was said, how it was handled. And then there are times when I'll think about the person who was involved and I'll be like, am I, do I talk to this person? Let me reach out to them if I can. Maybe pop up and be like, hey, it's been a minute or... If we talk regularly, just checking with them like, hey, how you been? I just remember something from when we were in 11th grade. And I'm just checking to see how you doing. You know, I don't want nothing in return. Just letting you know, I'm thinking about you. I'm, I'm giving you that that open. I'm letting you know I'm open to listening to whatever you want to talk about. So that's what I carry with me. And, you know, I, I, I feel great listening to you guys talk because you guys you know when you started group together you were together as a unit and I would like to think that it, it kind of helped to strengthen your friendship over the years the experiences that you've each gone through and what you've shared with each other so it's like because I sometimes forget that when I graduated like group was still going on let's yeah. talk about it was still around yeah so it didn't end with me didn't start with me didn't end with me so it feels good to be part of that mm-hmm. legacy and to know that a legacy continued on. And here we are today having this discussion, which I think is amazing.
0: Thank you so much for sharing Thanks, that. guys. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of All Power to the Developing. Um, I'd like to thank our lovely guests, Barbara Silverman, Darnell Cadet, Chauncey Espada, David Pierre-Lewis, and myself, uh, co-producer and co-guest Desiree Wandon
2: Des, Abby, Abby's here waiting to come in
0: yes she is and it's just like group <laughs> things can always just, just change in the in the, min, in the blink of a second um, if you would like to listen to All Power Developing we are available on all major streaming platforms if you are feeling any of these episodes you like any of these episodes please write to us at podcast at eastsideinstitute.org and we would love to read your response on one of these shows Thank you so much for listening, and we're going to let Fabian and have another version of Let's Talk About It off the air. Thank you so much. Blessings. All power to the developing has been brought to you in part by
2: the Baylor Wolf Fund.